Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about sound money principles. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. Weekly, I'm recording advanced planning ideas with my advanced planning idea episode sponsors, John Thurman, CEO of Access Financial, and Allison Rife Martin, CEO of Rife Martin CPAs. We're going to talk about uh, advanced financial planning ideas that we see our financially successful clients use to grow and protect your wealth. Tune in weekly. On the episode, you'll see it'll be titled Advanced Planning, so you know which episodes are the advanced planning episodes. Uh, if you have any specific thoughts, questions, or ideas you, you want brought up on the Advanced Planning Ideas episode, feel free to tweet me at ask underscore Philip uh, or reach out to any of my guests. They'll put their information in each episode for more questions and more thoughts and things that you want to share on, on the episodes. Enjoy your day. Alrighty, it is August 20th. It's Friday. Uh, for those of you who are watching live on Facebook, I wore my Fight Camp shirt. You can't see the letters completely because it's in gold. But it, it, it has run, skip, shadow box, bag work, sparring, clinch. That's the, that's the, the training regimen almost daily to get ready. Got to prepare or you get your butt kicked. Similar to investing, right? If you don't put the work in, you're going to get your butt kicked. So let's get into sound money principles today. So, and I'm going to, I'm before I go there, I, I got to describe like what, what money actually is and give you a history of central banks. And you'll, you'll understand when I give you the money history, why, why that's important. But what we consider money in society uh, is, is really like, just what we agree is money, right? It's typically backed by a set of rules and principles that we believe in. So, you know, historically, gold has been money. There's a period of time where seashells were money, right? Still today, um, in jails, right? Cigarettes are a form of currency. As a matter of fact, this is just a weird note. Like in Virginia, you know, tobacco was actually like a form of currency for the whole state, which is weird. Not weird. I mean, I guess it's pretty normal back in the day, but I, I, didn't, I didn't really realize that. Paper notes... Uh, backed by gold, which is the, you know, which we're familiar with the paper notes, but most of us who, like, um, you know, started 1971, it was a system of paper notes not backed by gold, so we're not really familiar with paper notes backed by gold in our, uh, in, 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 in this generation. Um, but what, what do they all have in common, right? Because people say, well, can anything be money? Like, can this, you know, can this microphone be money? Can these shoes be money like it, it needs to have a they all have a couple of common things in in, in in common right scarcity when there's scarcity there's value so anything that doesn't have scarcity it's tough to be money because like it can be manipulated and flooded away right in order for something to be money you can't have the market be flooded with you know something easily created because then it throws off um it it, it won't hold its value so for money you have to you know money is stored energy, you have to have something that is scarce so that it could hold its value. 
you also have to have community consensus or community buy-in, which is agreement of the rules, right? So think of it like a sport. Before I decide to play a new sport, I need to know the rules and agree on the rules before I play. So money is the lifeblood of an economy. And so if, you know, if we're going to, you know, play in the economy, buy, sell, trade, right? We need to understand the rules around money. How is it created? Uh, how is, you know, um, you know, is it, is it scarce? Does it have these principles we, we have in common? Um, and, and everybody has to, to, to buy in for it to, to, to be money. So, you know, if only two people believed that this microphone was money, it's probably not going to be money for society. Third, you need to have, and this is, all of them are really important individually, uh, but third, you have to have trust in the system. So the rules of the game are fair. So um, imagine playing a basketball game against the team and the ref kept cheating in, in favor of the team, right? The, the ref played favoritisms and kept cheating. Like that game wouldn't last long, right? Somebody would be, get beat up, <laughs> you know, from the ref or the other team or, or somebody would quit. And so you, money in every instance that has been uh, operating well has had those three common uh, characteristics. So what we have today and what we've had for hundreds of years is we created central banks to manage the monetary system of governments. So as government, you know, as governments took shape and the way we were organized around society, we eventually created central banks to manage the monetary process, you know, quote unquote, separate from government because you didn't want government running it because politicians will do whatever's needed to stay in power. So they were quote unquote separate, but you'll see that not really right. But the central banks are the referees of the system, you know, quote unquote, the referees around the monetary game we play. So how do the referees manage the system at a basic level without going too nerd on you? Uh, they operate monetary policy by either expanding the amount of money in the system or contracting, right? Creating more money in the, for the system or, or less money um, in the system. And, and that's their power, right? And that's a, that's a huge power. And so governments, ultimately, though, they have the absolute power to exert their influence over central banks. And this is where the the problem lies. I did an episode, when was that? Yesterday or the day before about understanding how the universe works and universal principles so you can understand money. And this is one where absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like you can look back in every instance of humanity and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so, you know, the fact that the governments can and have exerted their power over the central bank so they're not really separate, you know, they're, they're separate, quote unquote, but they have power over them, and, and best believe they have always and historically um, exercised that power whenever they needed to. Um, you know that creates a problem. So every single government that uh, has, has that's had a central bank has abused their power to fill the gap in in their spending. Most of the time, it was for wars that enrich the elite who profit from the government contracts and government borrowing, and this slowly chips away at the principle of sound money that we you know discussed before and, and and what you'll find is the the, the when you look at the economies that have, that have amassed the most wealth right so it's us in the last hundred years before that it was britain right it's the country with the most sound money because stocks bonds 
even real estate to a degree, is just the derivative of the money. And so if you have sound money, you're going to have a, uh, a really good economy. And so as those money, as those principles get chipped away, um, it affects the wealth uh, of the country. And so this is why we don't have thousand-year-old dynasties, right? Another principle, trees don't grow to the sky, right? Or if you're a, um, if you've read the, you know, the Torah or the Bible, and I believe this, also, I don't know for sure, so maybe it's not in the Quran, I don't know. But the Old Testament, you know, which is a story that I believe all three of us share together, right? It talks about the Tower of Babel, you know, where, just just go read it, but we tried to build tower to the sky and that, that just don't work. Like we don't have the ability to, uh, trees don't grow to the sky. And so um, because we are flawed, you know, we end up like messing stuff up. And so here's how it goes down. When governments get into financial trouble, they start demanding low interest rates, A, because like they've borrowed money up to that point to pay for their wars or whatever. And and so if interest rates go up, that affects their budget even more. So they need to have low interest rates. And they ask for taxpayer money to bail out companies who were too big to fail. And what you got to understand is at this point, uh, the elites who who um, who are in the government or infiltrated the government, they're the ones that own the companies, right? And so if you, if you look at all the companies that are um, not relevant, that aren't not getting the young talent um, because they're irrelevant and are being propped up by the government, like I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure you're going to find an intertwined connection of politicians and ownership and board seats and all that and, and charity con- or uh, campaign contributions like interwoven. We call it the Washington Swamp, right? It's actually pretty disgusting, you know, but the reason why, the, you know, we talk about free markets, but it's not free, right? Because we bail out, you know, bullshit companies like GE or GM, right? You got all these just uh, Boeing, all these just terrible companies that are in bed with the government. Um, and, and they'll say, you know, well, they're good for national security. But all that, all that just means is like, hey, we can't let them fail because like a lot of a lot of our wealth and what we do is tied up into this, right? Just, um, and you know, this is like public knowledge. This is not conspiracy type stuff. Like, look at, look at the few companies that got the contracts for the uh, Afghanistan for the war we've been in for the last twenty years. Only a few companies, right? And um, and Mr. Cheney uh, was a big shareholder in uh, in one of those companies. So this happens, right? And by the way, I'm saying this, and I'm saying it. With all the you already knowing, yeah, I already know this, right? So, so you, you get to this point where they're bailing out banks, companies. It erodes trust in the system. So, this, and what also happens is this crushes savers because savers hold government bonds, which you know, or, or savings accounts, right? If you if you all interest rates are priced off of the uh, reserve currency um, interest rate, so you can't get a lower interest rate than, than the U.S. government bond for the same period of time because it's the quote-unquote risk-free rate. So if the government gets lower rates, it lowers the rates for everybody else. And so that's crushes savers, which is why it's harder to retire now because like you used to be able to retire, but you know, put money, put some money in some bonds, and live your life and earn collect a lot of interest. Good luck doing that today, right? They're, bonds, bonds are at a four thousand year low on the interest rate. Let me repeat that. Bond interest rates are at a four thousand year low. Thousand year low. Four thousand year low. That's the biggest bond bubble in the history of like mankind. Uh, so again, this more trust is lost. And by the way, people begin to realize, hey, I didn't agree to this. You know, this is happening. We're bailing out companies. We're not getting compensated. 
I didn't agree to this. So you lose trust. You're losing the consensus mechanism, right? Uh, when they've taxed people too much and they're ready and we're already annoyed at the noticeable rule changes and favoritism of the elites, central banks begin to just print money, which is create new government bills out of thin air. That breaks the scarcity principle. And so all three rules are broken at this moment, right? And I'm not, you might be saying, Philip, you're explaining today, but like you can look at all, you know, when it happened to Britain, you can look at when it happened to Venezuela recently, like Nigeria, you know, all like look at the past countries that have had central bank or going down economic value. Like this is just, this is just what happens. Um, And so adding new money to the system causes inflation because there's only a fixed supply of goods, services, and assets in the economy. There's only so much labor. There's only so much uh, plant and equipment. There's only so so many companies that could provide services to fulfill the needs of people. There's only a fixed supply of housing. What ends up happening is so you have a you have your your demand on the demand curve is fixed, but then you have an increased supply of of money, and so that pushes up asset prices, uh, or and or. It pushes up the prices of, um, you know, goods and services. It, it depends on, like, how the money goes to the system, right? So that's a whole different topic. But depending on the mechanism they use to create and distribute the money, right, it may cause asset price inflation like we had over the last 10 years, right? And it may create inflation in labor, plant and equipment, commodities, like like things that we actually buy on a regular basis. And so let me let me kind of – let me dig deeper on that, right? So – Higher rent, housing, education, healthcare, right? That's asset inflation. What we've ex- what we've experienced over the last you know decade or so. Higher food, energy, and basic necessity prices, right? That's what happens when it trickles to the people, right? Similar to like nineteen seventies, if you if you're uh, a historian. But income typically does not keep pace with inflation, so the masses get poorer, and the poor, and, and their savings earn less. Because they typically like don't earn interest above the inflation rate, and so the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and scarcity is gone because the money printer doesn't stop, and trust is gone because of the unfair wealth gap between the elite and the masses, because all the rules changed in favor of one class over the other, right? So people are like, "Hey, I'm ready to fight. Or I'm ready to quit the game," and so that's 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 the reason why you see all this fighting right here. This, the French Revolution happened because of this, right? World War One happened. Uh, or two happened around this time. Actually, one and two was kind of a when the uh, British system was breaking down. It just it didn't break down in like one fell swoop because typically it takes years, right? So World War One and two was kind of when Britain was breaking down and we were becoming the new the 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 better money system. But typically, it, re- it results around wars, revolution, bloodshed, and then the system breaks down and there's a new war- world order established um, after the system breaks. And so again, we've done it over and over and over again over different periods of time. But in order to understand the solution, right, we, I've kind of I've, I've identified the problem clearly, but let me kind of just break it down to bullet points. So absolute power corrupts absolutely. A few people, the elites, have control over expanding or contracting the money supply. The refs can cheat for their favorite teams. The masses who have no control uh, over the monetary system have no say over what happens with monetary policy. The elites are able to flood the system with money to bail out their investments and destroy the wealth of the masses. And like I mentioned, like we're in a four thousand year old bomb bubble. That's huge, y'all. That is that's that's a big understanding of the problem. Um, because you know, since we've had central banks, they've done a terrible job, <laughs> you know.
you know, at at uh, at managing the monetary system over time because we keep having the same breakdown every hundred or so years, right? And so the solution, right? The solution is you have to have a monetary system to have a economy. As I mentioned before, if the money is healthy, the economy is healthy. And so you got to build a brand new system that fixes those problems. Um, and so l- let me let me actually, I- I'm gonna come back to it. I'm, I'm, I'm explaining the system. I'm explaining the, the trend, right? And so. A, a better system would be a rules-based monetary system run by algorithms and not people. And why do I say algorithms? Well, because th- look at the calculator. If you need some complex ca- calculations that is like super important, right? You can use people. People can make mistakes. If you use a calculator, calculator does not make mistakes on calculations, right? So, so computers are very good at giving you consistency, right? They're terrible at like, you know, thinking, you know, creatively at the current moment, maybe they'll be better, you know, 10 years from now, 50 years from now. But at the moment, they're they're like, like you put in one plus one, it's going to pop out two, like every time. You put in calculation, a computer's never wrong on calculations, right? Unless it's outside of like a bug, but you know what I mean. So create a rules-based monetary system using algorithms, which they can't be corrupted. Like algorithms don't play favorites, <laughs> you know? And... Also make it to where we can see the rules in advance and opt in if we agree or opt out if we no longer agree. But algorithms run it, you can see the rules. Okay, I want to play this game, right? If the rules ever change, which means you need to change, make a change to the algorithm, um, there has to be a consensus of the majority, meaning 51% of the community has to agree. If that if that was the case now, we wouldn't have right, we would we would have been like I'm not paying my money to like bail out these terrible companies. I let them let them fall, and make sure the rich and powerful can't tamper with the money supply. So limit the money supply. Right. The reason why gold has held its value for thousands of years is because like even if even when people were like super bullish on gold and they all everybody created mines, it's so hard to mine, so energy intensive that you can only like mine at two percent a year. Uh, if you want to mine a gold and it's scarce, right? It, it came from like this meteor crash and something that you just can't recreate, right? So you, we can't make gold. We got to find it. We got to mine it. And it's hard, very intensive. And so that's why it's held its value um, so long. But that, that system I just described, right, is Bitcoin. You know, that system is that's exactly what Bitcoin is. Um, there's And there's no other cryptocurrency that has the network effect Right and and the decentralization, right? Um, that 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 Bitcoin has. There's some other cryptocurrencies that are doing other cool things for the crypto world, right? Because you you got to understand there's different asset classes in crypto, right? There's cryptocurrencies, right? Which Bitcoin is the strongest currency, right? And then there'll be cryptocurrencies that are built similar to like fiat, which is like Ethereum and some other ones, um, where you have some centralization. Uh, and you have the ability for it to be manipulated, which is how you're able to change the Ethereum, you know, um, uh, blockchain like they're changing it right now after only five years. Um, but then you have NFTs, right? You have DeFi. Um, so there's lots of different cryptocurrencies, but Bitcoin is a currency. And Bitcoin, if you had to give a um, an inaccurate uh, analogy, it's it's like the gold of the digital monetary. It's like a you know like like the gold of it, but it also the cool part is like you know. You have smart contracts, and I'll go into that a different episode. But it allows you to do more than gold because you know the algorithm for. I don't want to go too nerd on y'all, but it's the digital gold. <laughs> um, so, 
I want to explain Bitcoin to y'all in a way where I think you can understand it, right? And I feel like this was the better job. Let me also, I, I had a buddy of mine last night, right? I sent him a uh, article or it was maybe it was some Twitter, uh, a Twitter announcement about Coinbase putting half a billion dollars of uh, crypto on their balance sheet. And, and he was like, uh, hey, man, that's pretty cool. What happens when big blue chip companies start buying Bitcoin? Blue chip is like old stodgy. The company, the company I'm telling you about, the companies that are no longer relevant for the new world. And I said, I actually don't think um, that, this is my response. I actually don't think that's what's going to happen. They're like dinosaurs. The new companies will suck all the money from the old guard and the new guard and the new guard will store Bitcoin and other sound, you know, if they, if other sound cryptocurrencies on their balance sheet, right? Maybe be the fiat type Ethereum's on their balance sheet, but they're going to have a lot of, um, Bitcoin is the majority of what these companies are storing on their balance sheet because it's sound money. Uh, and, and they're going to increasingly do that over cash. Uh, it's like when the U.S. companies overtook British companies 70 or 80 years ago. The U.S. monetary sound, uh, system was more sound money than the U.K. Uh, devalued, elitist, over-indebted monetary system. And so... You know, the, 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 the UK system didn't put cash on their balance sheet, right? They laughed at America, right? But uh, eventually they did, right? But when it was breaking down, right, they, um, they didn't. And so this is what's going to happen. Like, we just got the, you know, um, and, 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 and this is the theme. Like, this is the, you know, I used to watch the, the Discovery Channel, and I think I said this like 10 times before. Where like the young lion keeps coming at the old lion, take his pride, and eventually like he takes it because we are going to get old one day, right? And that's just the cycle of life. And so like if you pay attention, like this is happening. Going back to universal principles of how things work, right? The same thing happens over and over again, right? Every fifty years or so, the new generation takes over the new rules. And so you you saw it in retail, right? Old retail, Walmart. You gotta get you gotta go through my buyers if you want to sell your stuff on my shelf. Amazon said Amazon, young Jeff Bezos, thirty five when he started early thirties. All right, this is stupid. We're gonna we're gonna change the game and take over, right? Old media, hey, we you know we decide that the Black Panthers are bad people. We decide, you know that that Malcolm X is a bad person. Like we decide, you know the you know the 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 narrative. Social media came and said, mm, nah. We don't, we're not going to trust four news stations, which are predominantly run by four white guys, right? And again, nothing against white guys. I'm just saying that's a, that's a one perspective, you know, for the whole country, you know, to, uh, and typically they were four older white guys, right? And so that's not a very good, like, way to give the world news, right? The different perspectives of social media came, broke that up, right? And they're still pissed about that because I, I don't think until Trump won, they realized the power of social media. That's when they realized, oh, man, like, this is super powerful, Right now, money like like and this happens over and over again, like every parts of society gets attacked. Commerce, we, we, we attacked it. Uh, media, we attacked it. Now it's money. Then it's going to be education and then healthcare. Cause like all of it's broken for the new world. And so it's slowly going to get taken down. Um, humans hate change. Right. There's going to be fusses and fighting and FUD, you know, but it's inevitable. Right. The, the young lion eventually wins, you know, and one day. I'll be the old lion. And my hope, I was telling Steve before this, side note, y'all, happy birthday to Steve. If you're listening and you don't, Steve, are you on Twitter? No? Yeah. What, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, I have no idea. Ah, uh, man. Okay. Look, go to, look go, to, go to Steve's podcast page, podcast Mansfield page. Like it. 
Tell him happy birthday in the comments of his last post. It's his birthday. He is 42 or something like that. Yeah, 42. Um, <laughs> but tell him happy birthday. Uh, one, the, the, the best audio engineer in Texas. Uh, happy birthday, Steve. But, um, yeah, one day I'm going to tell Steve, I said, hey, listen, one day I hope when I'm in my 60s that I'm malleable, right? I don't want to be that person in their 60s saying, oh, these young folks, their ideas are stupid. Their music is stupid. Like, uh, when I'm 60, I hope to have a lot of money. And I'm going to say, let me go find some 30-year-olds that are up to culture. I'm going to give them my money and be like, man, keep me, you know, keep me from getting eaten alive. Right? That's the trade. So hope this helps, y'all. Enjoy your weekend. Have a good one. Talk to you Monday. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.